Welcome into a very special edition of the Hops and Spirits podcast. It is our very first flight night, and we have a wonderful lineup for you through Barrel Bourbon. We have Will. Will, how do you say your last name? I'm going to screw it up, so I figure I'll just let you roll with it. I, I almost want to let you try first, but uh, it's Stragris. Okay. Uh, we'll be joining us to talk about Barrel uh, craft spirits, barrel bourbon, four different ones we'll get to try uh, tonight. And with me, the, the uh, esteemed panel it is, we have, uh, depending on how I'm looking at this and how it is on your screen, uh, right below me is D, better known as the VA Bourbon Hunter. He hosts the Brown Water Banter on Instagram, on his Instagram every Thursday. Been into whiskey, bourbon collecting for a few years. How big is your collection now? Because I think last time I talked to you were about 50 to 60. Yeah, I've been, uh, it's not too crazy. I've been trying to get some some crazy bottles. So I'm probably up to only like 70 now. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to do some crazy trades. So nothing too crazy. All right. So you, you slowed down just, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to, to his letter, at least on my screen, to right beside D is Chris. He's known on Instagram as Jeff the Rabbit. That is not his name. That is his rabbit's name. Uh, he's yep. uh, originally from North Carolina, lives in VA now. Uh, he loves sports, football, huge bourbon whiskey lover. And how, how's your collection growing there? Because I can see it in the background. It looks pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, I don't, I've been killing some bottles recently, so it's probably like 94-ish, somewhere around there. Yeah, you, got, you guys are making me feel bad now because I think I'm only in like the 30s or 40s. And then last but not least is Ariella. Yep. Hey. All right. Uh, better known as Influenski on Instagram. She lives in ATL in Atlanta. And you have a pretty cool background too. You've traveled to 36 countries, a new country every year, except 2020 kind of threw you for, for a little curveball there. And you, you started out in wine and then went down the rabbit hole of whiskey. So uh, I, I see though, you, you've done a good job on your collection as well. Uh, it's not good for my wallet though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it happens. It happens. Uh, that, that's one reason why mine has not gone very far when you have a two-year-old, uh, and a wife that likes to buy clothes for said two-year-old, uh, I don't, don't get very many chances <laughs> to buy, <laughs> buy anything. Good for you. Priority. <laughs> Yes, yes, yep. and I yep. am not the priority. <laughs> All right, I figure we'll start it off with one tough question. I like to start off anything with this. It's maybe not that tough, but it's for everyone in the group. What was your favorite subject in school? And I'll let Will, you can go first. Uh, my favorite subject was physics. Really? Um, which I know doesn't really make sense given that I then went into like culinary and wine and now work for a whiskey company. But um, I think it's really... Uh, I had an amazing physics teacher in 10th grade and uh, I always was like, I liked math, but I was like a little bit of a screwball in high school. And uh, that was the moment where like, I was so interested in the class because the teacher was so good that I got really good at a thing that was hard. And it like, now it's like being a nerd in the whiskey world is cool. Like if you're a nerd <laughs> that works for a whiskey company, people want to talk to you. And mm -hmm. so that I like thinking back in like education ways, like absolutely physics. And the fact that I was into physics, like speaks more to me being into whiskey now than probably any other subject. <laughs> That's awesome. and, and who wants to go next? I'll uh, go next. Um, sorry, D. Uh, I'll go next, <laughs> but it's history for me. And it's because truly the, the teacher that I had, I mean, just speaks the truth for like, 
some really, there are some really, really good like teachers. And I was not even a history major. I was an engineer and now I'm in tech and I love whiskey. So (laughs) (laughs) go ahead, Dean. All right, right, cool. So I will say uh, my first answer is going to be history. um, But my second answer I would say is I took a web design class when I was in high school. Uh, my my 11th and 12th grade year and that was definitely my favorite class that was like that was kind of like when you get to those years you know you're kind of trying to figure out kind of what you want to go to college for and everything and I just hadn't really found exactly what I wanted to and then I kind of discovered web design and graphic design and I just kind of fit right into that role and so that was definitely my favorite class and now I don't do any web or graphic design I do sales so (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I always like math for some reason. Just numbers, you know. They are they worked with me. I worked with them. Just the numbers guy. And, and I, I was the same way. Math and and what's funny is my least favorite subject was English, and now I'm in communications and uh, right for them. So it makes perfect sense, you know. I mean, it just. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think what's so cool about the spirits industry, but especially the whiskey industry, is although. Ariella, I think you and I would probably argue that the wine industry is the same way, that what makes something yeah. a good bottle <laughs> is there's so many pieces that go into it and it's like understanding the hard details of it and it being objectively good and uh, like the interesting science or molecular qualities that you might be interested in, but then also like is this communicated well? Is the graphic design good? Is is it like making promises that are realistic and delivering on them? But then like logistically, like does the glass match the bottle? Is the cork correct? Is the price point right? And so in the whiskey world, you wind up with people from every background because you like actually need that team to make a good product. Not like you can't, there's good whiskey and terrible bottles that no one notices. And there's terrible whiskey and good bottles that everyone buys. And like, uh, you like need all of it for a good product, which is speaks to the diversity interest wise in this five group of five people. <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. Now let's, we've got four bottles to get through tonight or four different, uh, you know, spirits that, that barrel bourbon does. Now, well, for those that may have missed my first episode with trip, uh, who's a, who was a fun interview. Uh, hopefully one of these days he gets to go down to the Caribbean and go on one of those rum barrel picks. Um, I know he's been trying to get to what is barrel craft spirits. Cause you guys do things just a little bit different than what people might expect out of a distillery. So barrel craft spirits was started in 2013 by Joe Beatrice, my boss trips boss uh, with the idea or understanding or like, guess like itch or theory that the whiskey consuming world in America was changing and that people were not identifying with brands just because of what they drank their whole life or their parents drank, but they wanted something new. And that if you could deliver quality that was obvious being a a new brand and also having new whiskeys every couple months was an advantage rather than like something you had to fight against, fight up current against all the time. And a lot of people like were naysayers when he said, we're, we're not going to have a, a core item to start and we're everything's cast strength. And like when things are gone, they'll be gone and we'll come out with new whiskeys. Uh, 
he released batch one, uh, which is a bourbon that had, I think it was like five, 600 six packs to it. Um, I met him right after he released that. I was working for a retailer in New York called Zaki's and I was the second person that he met with when he released his first batch of whiskey. Uh, and things just kind of like snowballed from there with the idea that uh, if you are concerned only with quality and not making the same thing again, it means that you can polish and get better every time you blend whiskey. Uh, and because there's no need for specific consistency, we've just been able to grow the distilleries we work with around the world to this point where I think it's like worked like 79 different distilleries around the world that we use to blend whiskeys and rums and, and such from. Um, and so Barrel Craft Spirits, it started as this like independent bottler of bourbon mm -hmm. where it, it wasn't distilling, but it was, Joe was finding sets of barrels and, and releasing them as batches. Uh, and we really became what we now call like a merchant blending house, uh, much like Johnny Walker when they started, where it's like we have relationships all over the world with producers of spirits, but we are not trying to bottle someone else's spirits under our label. We are wanting people to think of our relationships and our blending and process as the provenance of the, of the whiskeys that we put in our bottles. Um, and it's just been like a crazy couple of years because uh, we do everything at cast strength and people have started to really appreciate cast strength. And we've been really forthcoming about not distilling thing. We're not a grain to glass distillery. We specialize in sourcing and blending. Um, and there was just a lot of smoke and mirrors about that with a lot of people for a long time. And so we now are like one of the first, it's like us and high West and a couple other companies that were like the first people to really carry that flag loudly. Um, and we, in our core, like our bones is a bourbon company, but every year we get a little weirder and we experiment a little bit more. And now uh, we still have our batches of bourbon, like the first whiskey we're going to try. We joke that bourbon is our vodka because it sells itself and it keeps the lights on. But uh, <laughs> the last two whiskeys we're going to try, Armida and Dovetail, are both blends of three different finishes of whiskey then blended together um, to the point where they're categories that like really didn't exist in the whiskey world until pretty recently. Um, so we really try to like, we are a producer of spirits, but uh, the only two things that any anything we release have in common are everything's at cast strength and at no point are, will we ever limit ourselves by being worried about recreating it. Yeah, I, I always think of you guys as literally some people just sitting in the back room, just you know, pouring things into into little little glasses, trying to find the right combination. It, it's a fascinating thing. There are moments that are like that, but they're the like one percent fun moments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you talk to Trip, it's like Trip does a lot more like, okay, I have to dump hundred and eighty barrels today, and I do a lot more like I have to figure out how to get virginia to understand what dovetail is like uh and and so yeah once a month we get to sit in the room and like, mix things together but there's a unfortunately a whole lot more work that goes into it now and then the first the first one we've got is the the batch 27 bourbon it's a blend from tennessee kentucky and indiana i believe uh varying years 115.7 proof uh, what can you tell us about it so uh, this is batch 27. It's the 27th release we've done in the past, I guess it's seven years now. Um, it is a minimum five-year-old, but there is as old as I believe 16-year-old barrels in this. Hmm. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana. The, 
idea behind 27 was to highlight this eight and, and 10 year old weeded sets of barrels that we had, but not to create a weeded bourbon. Um, and so there is as young as five-year-old really grain forward Indiana bourbon in it. And I think we can all guess what distillery that's from though. I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> on um, uh, but there's, all, there's, I think there's five distilleries represented in here. Um, and we have some blends that we think of as uh, what we call contrast blends, where it's like 70 or 80% one set of barrels and everything else that goes into it is just there to not change the driving force behind it, but to like layer complexity into it. Uh, but this is what we call a five points blend where we actually make sub, it's not always five, we just call it five points. Um, we make sub blends before. So we sort of build the ingredients before we make the final blend with the idea of pushing each ingredient to its extremes in one or two ways. And then using those extremes to bring everything together where they all can speak about why we made those ingredients at the same time. And so what I love about 27 is uh, the nose and the very front palate is really sweet. It's got that like corn forward, honey, almost like light syrup yeah. sort of thing, yeah. which, which to me is the marker of like very good, not super old bourbon, like really well executed five, six, seven year old bourbon. Um, the mid palate gets that like white flowers, really floral, uh, more like clover honey or wildflower honey, uh, weeded bourbon, that note that people really like from weeded bourbon. Um, and then in the like, what we call the cadence or like the moment where the mid palate transitions into the finish of the whiskey, you get a hit of uh, the darker, oakier, older barrels. So it's like the older barrels only really speak to you like 60% of the way through tasting the whiskey. Um, and the idea was like, we had four or five major ingredients in this and we wanted them all to speak at different points. Um, I find 27 to be like on the nose and the front palate, a really obviously delicious bourbon, but it's actually a little bit more of a thinker than a lot of our batches are because it changes so much from nose to finish. Um, and we've really, we released it in the middle of December. So we haven't been working with it in the market for that long. Um, and, uh, batch 26, the one before it recently got a lot of accolades. And so, uh, all of the questions we've been fielding have been about 26, whereas like actually internally at our company, everyone's a lot more fascinated with 27 because 26 is really in your face. Great. Like start to finish complete 10 year old classic spicy bourbon and 27 is like a whole bunch of different things going on at the same time. It's like a little roller coaster. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. So it, sound, so it sounds like each batches will be a little bit different or are you trying to stay consistent in this batch? Uh, every batch is, we start from scratch with every batch. Okay. Um, if you follow our company a lot, there's some house styles. You can tell that our blending team is, it's really three people. The, the other three people on the blending team say it's four to be nice to me, but I live in New York and they all live in Kentucky. So it's really... Joe, uh, who signs off on everything we release personally. Like one of the things I think that is really special about our company is that there's still a single person who won't let anything out the door unless it's up to his standards. Um, but Trip, who you guys were, I guess, Jonathan, who you met, uh, mm -hmm. has been with Joe from the very beginning uh, as the, we call him the chief whiskey scientist now. And then working with him also, Nick Christensen, who started as our single barrel program manager, but she is a machine. 
with tasting and blending. And so she, I think everyone's probably been in a workplace where like one person is just so good that they wind up being part of other things also. Mm -hmm. Um, and she is very squarely part of the blending team now because she just like every barrel in our facility, she knows what it tastes like, where it came from, what she wants. She has ideas about how to use it. Um, and, uh, and so between the four of us, uh, every time we start a batch, it's like, what do we, what do we have available to us? What barrels are showing well? What, what do we think would be interesting to put together? And we start completely from scratch. But when you taste all of them, you can kind of tell there's certain flavor profiles that either one or all of us really like. And so our bourbons tend to be a little bit more on the fruit forward, sweeter side, a little bit more umptious. And I think part of that is also that because we're always blending it to cast strength, it needs to be palatable at a high proof. And so we, we err towards the flavor profiles that are tastier at high proofs. Um, when you have a really earth-driven dry bourbon, it gets really tough in the 120s. Yeah, this is this is uh, super unique to me because, like you said, it has that that fruity, sweet nose, and you 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 kind of you know you kind of expect to to get that on the on the palate, which you kind of do a little bit, uh, but it's almost exactly like you said. You taste it, and you can you taste that that you know. I think you said what 16 year old. There might, there might be a little bit 16 year old. There's some some older barrels. Mm-hmm you taste that in there. Like I, you get that kind of like a strong Oak, but it's not too strong. It doesn't get overpowered because like the, the fruit kind of settles in there somewhere. Um, it definitely is a roller coaster. Like you, you almost yeah. kind of don't know what to expect. Even like you, you swallow and even like, like I haven't taken a sip in probably two or three minutes. I'm still just kind of processing. Like it, this is very unique. Yeah. How do you like it? This is good. I, I, I like it a lot. Actually. Like, you know, like I always say, that I love a little bit of bite, like a little bit of bite on, on my bourbon. I love castoring in general. And so, and I love sweets. So it's kind of a combination of pretty much everything that I like, so. Yeah. It's definitely sweet up front. Yeah. So to preface, think- this is my first time tasting any barrel bourbon mm-hmm. and the finish it's delicious. It's that oak, that charred oak. It has that bitterness, that tannic that you got, but mm-hmm. it just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. I think what's uh, Very important in bourbon blending, which doesn't get talked about enough, is the tannin, that like bitterness that comes really from only the oak in bourbon. Mm-hmm. It comes from other things in other categories, but in bourbon, it's only coming from uh, a... a set of molecules called lingon in oak that are like bitter and tannic. Um, You need to have enough sugar present in the whiskey, like sweetness, Mm. not like taste sweetness, but like actual residual sugar to carry the palate through that bitterness or else it gets, it leaves you with like a gross taste. Mm -hmm. Um, And that varies barrel to barrel based on how much like wood sugar there was. Um, It's not that anyone puts sugar in it. It's that like different, trees have different amounts of like sweetness just like people are more or less sweet than each other um (laughs) and uh in blending when you're able to put old bourbon and and younger bourbon together you're able to match tannin and sweetness and oak concentration in a way that creates better balance the downfall is you have to declassify 16 year old bourbon into five-year-old bourbon and people don't like that um Oh, but being a company that's willing to do that, it's like we're we, the, we're only one of a we're one of only a couple of companies that would ever consider using such an old barrel in a young in a batch with an age statement that's five years old, and it's so that we can have that 
separation, but also that like carry through a flavor uh, through the wall of tannin that you get. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, uh, I've, I've been talking to a couple people for the past couple of weeks about, you know, uh, a lot of bourbons that are, that when they get over that 10 year mark, you know, the, the oak really stands out. You know, you talk about a lot of different ones. I always talk to about Elijah Gregg 18. I think it's good, but like there's so much oak in it. Um, and I, I think that just pretty much like you said, you blend the younger and the, and the, and the older together and you get something that, that, that balances out perfectly. Like it, it definitely is a strong oak, but it's not too strong. And also it, the finish is just, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's perfect actually. I'm really glad you like it. Yeah, the finish uh, on this, yeah. I, uh, I'm worried that you guys like it so much because the next one we're trying is uh, our like, we call it our tete cuvee, but it's our sort of most expensive, most allocated bourbon that we make. Uh, so the next one is our, is your 15 year, year old, right? But now I, like all the other ones, it's easy to find information on, but this one, it's like secretive, <laughs> I thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, so the, we call it the BCS or the Barrel Craft Spirit. So it's the line in our company that we give our namesake to like the company's name okay. is barrel craft spirits and this is called the barrel craft spirits line uh right after we we released it uh someone started referring to it as gray label which we did not plan but <laughs> you roll with it right um so some people call it the bcs 15 and some people call it gray label um oh, wow. we released it's... it for the first time in 2018 uh because we had these three sets of barrels that we just we're in love with, um, but we would have lost money if we had made a batch. They were really low yielding, really expensive sourcing barrels. And uh, we decided, let's go back to our roots. Let's make the whiskey first and then figure out how we have to price it. Um, so we put this blend together that we loved, but it took us about six months. And in the course of the six months that we were blending it to polish it the way we wanted, the proof fell from like 120 to, I think the first one was like 106. Um, and what we realized was in the course of agitating and blending and polishing for six months, we were deliberately blowing ethanol off. So we didn't put any water into it, but we concentrated the bourbon by like 15% hmm. while we were blending hmm. because the idea of spending six months to blend I don't know, a, a thousand gallons of bourbon is ridiculous. Like that doesn't make any sense. Almost like a happy accident. Um, I wouldn't say it was a happy accident because Trip identified what was going on really okay. quickly. It was like a, let's let this run its course mm -hmm. and either fix it or be really glad it happened kind of situation. Um, the story of happy accident, like we are not a company with happy accidents. We're a company, we're a stay all night to fix the problem when it happens kind of company. Um, I can see that with Trip and Joe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, we released it and it's an expensive bottle. It's like a $250 bottle. And almost immediately, uh, Fred Minnick, who was writing for Forbes, said it was the best whiskey made in America that year. And so what we thought was like, okay, we made a lot of this expensive whiskey and like, it'll be a secret, sold out completely immediately. And wow. so that was December of 2018. And so in January of 2019, we said, okay, we got to start blending again, but we're going to spend six months again. So we did it again in 2019. Um, so this is the third release. This came out in November, 2020. Uh, it is a blend of 15 year old Tennessee bourbon, 15 and 17 year old Kentucky bourbon and 15 and 16 year old Indiana bourbon. 
Um, and I believe this one started at about 122 and now it's at 104.9 is when we bottled it. Very um, smooth. It is a, it's so, it's a exceedingly sort of chewy and oak forward, but not like charred oak, like, um, like green cedar kind of wood, like really, I say chewy, but just like it feels weighty and like mouth filling. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. well, and well, like Dee was saying, some of the older ones you, you get that <clears throat> they just don't taste that great any, anymore, you know, or, they, or at least what you would hope they would taste like when they age that. And I, I feel like this one though, it still tastes maybe a little younger than its age. Mm. In, in that sense of it's not too oaky or too crazy, to, at least to me. Yeah, I think that uh, what the age gives it is, if you think about bourbon 27 as having this very honeyed sweetness, mm -hmm. this is like maple molasses, like all the, all the conditions of sugar that are dark. Right. Um, yeah. Everything about it is this like very concentrated, viscous, toasty quality. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, that's a style of whiskey that takes time that you really can't accelerate it. If you try to accelerate it, age something with small barrels or temperature fluctuations, like you'll get more Oak, but you won't get that concentration. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it's, uh, the BCS every year, it's like a labor of love for us, but it's also this like weird challenge where we, we only release it when it's good enough. And it takes all year. Like we start at the beginning of the year to put it out at the end of the year. Um, but uh, I like tasting next to 27, especially because they're just opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of yeah. the open world, even though they're oh, yeah. strength. Mm -hmm. I like the name, the, you know, the barrel craft spirits, because the, the complexity in this one kind of reminds, I don't, I don't drink much. I, I don't drink beer at all. Right. But I, I think of it as like a craft beer. It's like you, you, you get some flavors that you, you won't, you're not going to get in like a, you know, a Bud Light, you know, you, you have to go to a certain, a certain, um, the, uh, a certain brewery would make this IPA that's only a special release, you know, like, so that, that's what I get, like very crafty, um, Super, super deep flavors, though. Like, I can't even, I'm still trying to process it. It's super, super flavorful. Definitely the oak. But still, I, I almost feel like it, it drinks a little higher proof than what it is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the sweetness definitely bounces out the oak, though. It's not super oaky at all. Mm -hmm. It's like oak with some maple on top. I think, like, the challenge of old bourbon is how to how do you put something that shows its age without being excessively oaky mm -hmm. and when we're doing barrel sorting uh we have to make decisions at least the first cut really quickly because if there's three people or four people and you're trying to get through 400 barrels like it's like smell maybe taste and just like sort a first time and then you can go back yeah. and it used to be that we had barrels that would be put into into groups that would go into ingredients to go into batches and then barrels that we felt were in balance that would go into the single barrel program. But what has started happening is when there are barrels that we feel are loud and flavorful and not exceedingly oaky, they get earmarked for the BCS project. Okay. Um, and we will go back and we'll pull them out if they don't fit into the blend. But that just kind of happens. You can't really plan for that. And so we, we need, when barrels are like 13 or so, we start sorting out things so that when they turn 15, they can be like, 
like the Olympic training program. Like not everyone in the Olympic training program is going to go to the Olympics, but like you got to get everyone together and see who's the best. Um, and so we do a lot of sorting of like, okay, this is exceedingly flavorful and not too oaky. So it can be paired with other very old barrels and not add too much oak to the blend. Um, and, and is this one that I'm, I'm guessing you, you'll continue to do other releases, but it'll be when it's ready, not, you don't have like a set time frame then for number four to come out. Yeah, we're pretty committed to it coming out at least once a year. Mm -hmm. What we're hoping to do this year is to put out uh, a, two releases of it, a smaller one at the end of the spring and then a bigger one in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not going to do that. We just, we're just hoping to have it done in the spring mm -hmm. and then gotcha. start like start again. But uh, if we're, if it's not finished, it won't, we won't release it. So what's the, uh, you know, you, you say you release this, you know, yeah, annually. So um, just going back to you saying that most of your, most, well, you, you're not trying to replicate, you know, a taste or anything. Cause that the same for the BCS series also, where it's like, you know, this batch is going to be, you know, pretty different from the next, the last batch also, or do you, is this one, of those spirits where you, you kind of try to replicate it a little bit? Uh, we're not going to try to flavor match it at all, but that viscosity is, a, is something that we is really important to us in BCS. And also we take the fact that it's a little more than twice as expensive as the batches really seriously. Okay. It's not going to be that expensive because it has a gift box. It's going to be that expensive because it is noticeably more exciting and expensive tasting. Not that we think it's of a higher quality, but we want someone to taste two of these and be like, they didn't randomly pick which one was, was $250. Um, and so that's a little different every year because we're really, we're spending as, as much time and money and effort as it takes to make it as perfect as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Uh, but all three years, what that has turned into is uh, 122 proof worth of flavor in 105 proof whiskey, if that makes sense. Um, and so, and that makes it like really palatable too, but without sacrificing any of the flavor in something that's really high proof. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, this definitely um, drank a lot higher than 104.9. It's yeah. the palette is like vanilla, like huge vanilla bomb. That's that's what I'm getting, and like it's the the texture that what you were saying is like it is very compare it to the 27 barrel bourbon is definitely mm -hmm. a lot more uh, chewy. That's, that's yeah. like a good good one uh, than the barrel bourbon. The finish yeah. is completely different too than the 27. I really get it a lot on like the sides and the bottom of my tongue uh palette wise and then there's a like oily almost slightly vegetal quality to it because it's older that i that really only shows because of the, the barrel selection and the age um it like tastes old you know it's delicious. Yeah, I them next to each other like the, the 27 is they're so different but they're they're both so good too so it's like you, know, you <laughs> keep going yeah kind of <laughs> so far i like them both ah, yeah i i uh thank you for saying that and i'm i'm excited to hear what you say about the next two because we're about to get weird this armida looks interesting 
Now, now I will say this: I've had the dovetail before with, with uh-huh. Trip, and, I, and it was, it's one of those things too. Like, so, you know, interviews are, are done at different times. Obviously, when I'm I'm available, whoever we're talking to is available. And I was going down the list, and I was like, I don't know if at you know one o'clock in the afternoon I need to be going too crazy at 124 proof. <laughs> <laughs> I still got to you know go get my daughter from daycare, things like <laughs> like that. So, and so so if you haven't figured out, we're going to go a little higher on, on some proofs here. Uh, and I think the Armedia just got released when I talked to Trip. Like you guys had just released it because it's pretty new, isn't it? Yeah. So Armedia came out for the first time in the fall. I think it was October, maybe November. Mm-hmm. Um, but we only had 600 six packs to start. And that doesn't sound like a really small release, but we're available in 46 states. So when you take oh, wow. 600 and you and you divide it by 46, it's not that many. I was gonna and say, then, I can do math and that's not a lot. It's not a lot. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you obviously need to weight it to the major markets more. So this was like, let's call it 86 packs into New York and New Jersey together oh, or wow. 46 packs into Florida, but there's 30 total wines in Florida. So like if they want it, that's 75% of the allocation. Um, and so it disappeared immediately. Uh, and we, what we found with Armida, and, and I guess let's pour it and I'll talk about it while we're tasting it because it's. All right, cheers. Yeah, because it, it's, it's a three, three different blends, right? Like yeah, it's... so Armida is, uh, it is a whiskey. It's not a bourbon, but all of the base whiskeys started as bourbon. So it's three different ingredients. Uh, that we make separately. It's bourbon finished in pear brandy, bourbon finished in rum, and bourbon finished in Sicilian Amaro casks. Uh, I could smell all those, especially the pear. 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 That pear brandy is so, so, it's so in the nose. What was maybe the most fascinating professional experience of 2020 for me. And there were a lot of things in 2020 that were terrifying and scary and anxiety provoking <laughs> and fascinating. Wait, something but, happened in 2020? But the thing that was most interesting, but also really tough was when we put this blend together the first time we were like, this is, a, this is a thing that we're not, this is not a 30 case nerdy thing like this is going to be a a mainstay in our portfolio we love this there's not a lot of pear brandy casks in the world it's just not a lot of people that make pear brandy and there's not a lot of people that are going to give you their cask a lot of pear brandy is done in neutral oak so they want to use the same cask over Mm -hmm. and over again um and everyone who makes brandy out of pears does it in a different way and so the wood is very different and so what we learned really quickly was we can't rely on someone else's barrels as a tool in making enough Armida to have it be remotely consistent or have enough of it to feed demand in, in a way that we needed. And so uh, we went on this like pilgrimage to farm distilleries, not physically because it was 2020, but an a electronic pilgrimage to farm distilleries. And we just started contracting and buying pear eau de vie uh and we aged it ourselves in french oak not because we wanted french oak aged pear eau de vie but because we needed pear brandy casks 
And so the reason Armida started in October and is only going to become readily, even though it's, you can find it right now, but it's not going to be readily available until March is because we needed one, two, three, four, six months of blending pear eau de vie from what turned into seven different farm distilleries and then aging it ourselves, and then dumping it out and then putting bourbon into the barrels to finish it. And that's one of the three ingredients that we use for it. So at this point, we think that we're the largest consumer of pear brandy in the country, if not world, <laughs> only to condition barrels to put bourbon in. Um, but what came out of it is this blend that we feel like uh, it speaks to the fact that it was all bourbon to start. All of the flavors you get in bourbon are there, but it's the idea that, that Joe put behind it was what are the tiny flavor notes that are really exciting in bourbon? It's like awesome orchard fruit, like really exotic spice and like a little bit of molassesy funk. Let's take those notes and make them the first thing you notice about Armida. And then all of the background is what you'd expect from bourbon. Uh, yes. So he like took the bourbon flavor profile and like flipped it on its head. Yeah, it's oh, completely wow. different than the last two. <laughs> this, is a, this is an insane pour. This, this is, is insane. My mind is like <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I drink it and I'm just like, I don't, it's like every, are you, like you, you taste something different every single time. You, you, you swallow, then you open your mouth and you breathe. You taste something else. I mean, the pear still sticks out like crazy. It's so fruity, but like you said, like it's still bourbon to the core. Like it's and like I'm a type of person I don't like very. I don't. It's very. There's not very many cast finished things that I like. Like I say, maybe one out of every seven to ten that I try. Um, but this is. This, I mean, this is good, I, and I don't, I, I don't even know how to describe it. But like, this is a bottle that I would have, that I would just keep. Where it wouldn't be like an everyday drinker, but like literally, like something that when I, when I wanted to spice it up for my my palate, or if I have some friends over, I'm like, I know you haven't had anything like this. Like, just let me let me pour you something, and let me just blow your mind. Like, this is exactly what I would pour. I know when we first got on before we were recording, Chris was asking me what I was drinking, and. Uh, I only recently have felt like it's appropriate for me to drink Armida when I'm not doing an interview or working or whatever, because it was so tightly allocated to start. Uh, and so every, our sales team is small. We're five people in the whole country, but all of us now sort of have the green light to like, if we run out, pull another bottle. Whereas at first it was like, it was all gone. So there was nothing to pull. Uh, and Story it, of our life. Uh, like, two, three times a week, someone will send a, a WhatsApp or a text to the whole con company just being like, I'm drinking Armida randomly while I'm watching Mad Men. And it's so good. And everyone's like, I know, it's so good. Like, it, we like keep surprising ourselves with it. Um, I'm glad you feel that way. I, I think that both Armida and Dovetail that we're going to try, we really are trying to fill this midway between if you want to be a nerd there's more nerdy stuff about these whiskeys than almost anything being made in the country. But yeah, it doesn't it, mean it can't just be objectively delicious also. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sorry. Hey, were you about to say something? No, no, go ahead. I was just saying like, what, what I like about it is like, well, I, I like, you know, it's, 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 it's something that like, 
like I think you have to like you have to be you have to be into this like this hobby in order to really appreciate like what you're drinking. You know, there are people that you know you meet that are they're very new like whiskey and bourbon enthusiasts and like you know and you know they're you you give this to them and they're not going to they're probably going to hate it they're not going to know what what exactly they're tasting that for first of all it's 100 112 proof so they're probably already going to lose their mind and then all these different flavors they're, they're not going to what like what hit them but people who really appreciate you know bourbon and whiskey for what it is and a I, this probably speaks to you the most because you your scotch and your wine and your bourbon so this is probably like this is probably heaven for you i don't mess with scotch or wine and i still love it so it's like the best of both worlds <laughs> like this is like such a great example of what a good whiskey finish is though because as you said d there are many finished whiskey out there that's just kind of meh right and this is something like this combination of Pear brandy, rum, and Sicilian amaro. Like I could taste those casks specifically in this palette. It's it's very gorgeous. It's like a really gorgeous finish. It's like super light. Like it's like very light smooth. sugar mm -hmm. at the end. It's gorgeous. This is like yeah. a gorgeous whiskey. I'm so not glad like a like Kentucky it. hug, but it's like gorgeous. <laughs> I love that. I was gonna say I love, love love how we can call whiskey gorgeous. That that just tells you what it is. <laughs> uh, sort of in contrast to that, are we ready to taste dovetail? Yeah. Let's go. Oh wait, I had a, I had a question. Yeah. Uh, Armida, do we have a any kind of uh, age statement on this? Uh, no. So Armida, because of the way that it is registered we are not allowed to put an age statement on it huh. because it comes from more than one state and has more than one finish. The uh, TTB is pushing it into what's called the distilled spirit specialty category, uh, like Angel's Envy, for instance. Um, yep. uh, all of the bourbon is at least five years old. So if it were, if it were labeled as a, if we released the base whiskeys without the finishes, it would be a five to 14 year old or so. Got it. Uh, so Dovetail, what's interesting about Dovetail, Dovetail was, first of all, the inspiration for Armida. The fact that Dovetail became successful was when we decided that we could do things like Armida in a big way. Uh, but Dovetail, which was released a little over two years ago now, started as us thinking, let's make a whiskey that no one will care about when it's released. And then a couple of years from now, it'll like go on auctions for a lot of money. Like we didn't think we were gonna remake Dovetail. Uh, so we released it in 2008, December of 2018. And uh, for any of you or anyone who's listening, if you are trying to successfully release a new alcoholic product, don't do it in December. That's the worst time. <laughs> no distributor and no retailer and no bar wants to taste new things in December. It's just like whatever they have is what they're, uh, but we released it and everyone who just like tried it was like, this is delicious. We'll take whatever we can get. And so we had, to, we had this sort of identity crisis where we had one of the foundations of our company is we're concerned with making the best thing and not the same thing. That's one of the two rules that we'll never break. And 
suddenly everyone was asking us for more of something that we hadn't made that much of. And so what we decided is there's three ingredients in Dovetail. We will make the three ingredients, but we will blend them blind to taste every time that we are vatting Dovetail. Wow. And so it will always be the same recipe mm -hmm. and it will always be the same label. But uh, if you guys, I'm not sure if the sample label shows this or not, but in the actual labels of the bottle, there's this here, I'll show it here. There's this area we call it the spline, which is where the two colors meet. And right on the right side, there's a tiny number. And that is which vatting of dovetail it is. So this is the one that bottle that I have is the sixth vatting. Oh yeah, no, sample bottles don't say that. Mm -hmm. Sorry guys. So we're just gonna have to uh, guess. Yeah, you'll just have to send us all a whole one. Yeah. <laughs> so dovetail, it's always available. It's always a blend of Indiana whiskey that is finished in Dunn Cabernet barrels. Dunn is one of the, I'd say like six to 10 most highly respected old school family owned Cabernet producers in Napa Valley. They sit on Howell Mountain, which is like in the far northeast part of Napa Valley. Uh, Mike Dunn, who's the generation that's sort of making the wine and running the company right now. Uh, he loves whiskey. We love his wine. When he wants whiskey, him and anyone that works for Dunn just calls us and we send it to them. And when we need empty <laughs> barrels, we send a truck and they put them on the truck. And that's like the extent of the agreement. It's just two family owned companies that are- I was gonna like, say, it's like an old school handshake agreement. You know, it's, like, yeah, it's only two years old, but it's like, it is such an old school handshake agreement. Um, and if anyone ever calls me and says they're friends with Mike Dunn, they can have they, like whatever they need <laughs> me to do. Like, uh, so that's the base of, of Dovetail, the two- Accent blends are both uh, Tennessee bourbons. One is finished in late bottled vintage port pipes, and one is finished in Barbados Blackstrap molasses rum casks. Uh, and so it, again, it's a really crazy blend, but uh, the, the two accent ingredients were put together to tone down and or tone up the things we really liked about the base whiskey, which was the Indiana whiskey finished in the Dunn barrels. Yeah. Um, and to me, what I love about Dovetail is it has the viscosity and sweetness and mouth fillingness of what people like about bourbon, but nothing else about it is bourbon. So it's like bourbon structure with not bourbon flavor profile. Mm -hmm. um, so it's still very much an American whiskey, but it's not really like any other American whiskey that exists. Yeah, I think of it as like a... Um... You know these these last you know these last two it's almost like for someone like me or you know, someone like i say me because like i said i'm not huge to to finish whiskeys and so these are like really good introductions to it because i've, I've had the dovetail before uh i've only had like a two-ounce sample i didn't know that it was finished in all these casts um but i always thought it was delicious and so like learning all this from you uh, it kind of makes me want to kind of, you know, dive into more finished whiskeys a little bit more. But then again, then I'm thinking like maybe they don't do it as well as you guys because you guys have this algorithm that you guys do to put in these barrels that make it so perfect. But I mean, Dovetail is, I mean, I'm glad that I have this much left. Let me obviously that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I was going to say, it's right up your alley too, too D at 124.7 proof. Oh, yeah. That's cast. Oh, yeah. 
none of this you know drinks as high as it seems like at all it's too easy to drink and that's the problem or is that a good thing it is a good thing i need to get like caramel on like the back palate which i don't even usually get with most like bourbons whiskeys that i have but like and then the nose of the dovetail is just incredible and you said this is tennessee whiskey uh, so it's Indiana whiskey that goes into the Dunn barrels, and then mm-hmm. it's Tennessee bourbon that goes into the late bottle vintage port and the black Stranolas rum casks. And, and the Indiana's 10-year-old and the other, and Tennessee's 11, is that right? Uh, when we first put the blend together, those were the two age statements. So that's the flavor profile that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. But what we found really specifically with the Indiana whiskey is... Uh, we need to adjust for tannin level a lot. Uh, and so we occasionally will use, and there's, really, there's one distillery in Indiana. So that we're using, and again, not going to yep. say it out loud, but we all know what I'm talking about. And uh, I have no clue. I'm completely lost. So yeah, I, don't know <laughs> I don't know either. It's a, it's a whiskey that we're, that we're putting in there. So it's, it's aged in used barrels. We'll occasionally use younger bourbon or rye to adjust for tannin and sweetness because we're, we, we're not allowed to put an age statement on anyway. So it like accidentally gives us that option. Okay. Um, but the original blend and the thing that we're like attempting to blend to was in 11, a 10 and 11 year old. Gotcha. Uh, but we don't want people to think that we are saying it is a 10 year old. It's not legally a 10 year old. It's legally a distilled specialty spirit. It's very important oh. to me that nobody think that we're trying to pull the wool over their eyes ever. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I respect it. I mean, I think that, you know, like you said at the beginning of this, that, you know, you, you guys are, you know, trying to be as transparent as possible about, you know, what you guys do and you guys source and everything. And I think that that combined with the fact that you guys, I mean, this is, I've, I've gotten, I think that's 25 from you guys and dovetail, but I mean, these four in a row are really good products. The fact that you guys can, you know, pull this off is, I mean, it's amazing. So I think it's really easy to be transparent when you still make really, I mean, anyone can just get a barrel with the fact that you guys blend these the way that you do. Um, it's, it's, it says something else. Thank you. Yeah. And I was going to say, I've been lucky enough to have, I think I had a, the, the 24 with trip. I had the, the rye was re- really good too. And then I, I was, I got the uh, 2021 new year batch and that was, oh, that was, just, that was wonderful. That, that yeah. Was... I, uh, I really loved, I, I like the new year every year. Cause it's always, uh, it's always a kind of experimental blend. We, we put micro distilleries in it now every year, but, uh, this okay, year I feel so. like it really came together where it, it, it speaks to classic bourbon, but it also shows what a lot of people in America are doing mm-hmm. with bourbon, uh, it's been really fun, and the and the reception has been really great. We uh we usually have a little bit more left in the middle of January than we do right now, so that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem to have. You you can tell it's good because we're all quiet and just sitting there drinking. <laughs> no, so. I, I, <laughs> so you know, um, I never what like I was never a Tennessee whiskey girl, um, ever. Um, but truthfully, this like barrel bourbon truthfully has shown me kind of another example of what a great blender can do yeah. to a whiskey. Like that is truthfully, that is like blending, like blending, like whiskey blends, especially in bourbon. Like, you know, we could talk scotch all the time. Like there are some really good blend, like scotch blenders, but 
bourbon, like American whiskey blenders, like that's where it's at. Like that's where like whiskey nerds can like go all oogle that like ogle their eyes on just because some of this are like really good example of like what a great blends are. Cause I don't like Tennessee whiskey. Like I, but some of these blends like really open my eyes I on think what a great blends are. What's uh not talked about in the forward-facing part of the bourbon or Tennessee whiskey industry is that there's a bunch of distilleries in Tennessee, but there's really two big distilleries in Tennessee. And they have brands that are associated with those distilleries. And those brands have extremely impressive, consistent flavor profiles. Mm -hmm. And so people associate the distilleries with the brands and their flavor profiles. But actually because of word differences, because of rickhouse differences, and because of like scale and commodity barrel trading, there's a lot of amazing whiskey coming out of a lot of distilleries that is not on profile for the brands that are associated mm. with those distilleries. And that's not unique to America. That's like Scotland, Ireland, that's tequila distilleries, like you name it. If you're a distillery and you can make every barrel taste the same, you're the best distillery in the world. And no, no one is like that. I, I would argue that there's a couple in, in the world that are so good that you can identify distillate really quickly. But uh, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think they don't like Tennessee whiskey because of the brands that they don't like from Tennessee, but actually those distilleries are making things that people do like oh. as a factory, not as a brand. Um, and I, it took me until two or three years into working for a whiskey company to realize that I need to judge the factories and the brands really differently. Um, yeah, I can, yeah, I can, Oh God, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you. I was saying like, I think what I, what I've learned about your brand is, you know, I always tell people that one of the main things to look for in, in a good bourbon or a whiskey is complexity. Like I love, like I, I want when I take a pour, when I take a sip, like I want to go on a roller coaster. I don't want to just taste one flavor and then it be it. Um, and all four of these samples take me on a ride. I mean, twenty, you know, was it fat twenty seven? You know, it was kind of the same, but not really. But the definitely the last three, it takes you on on, on a crazy ride to where you kind of don't know. You know, every time you sip it, you you, you taste something different. The, the back palate is something different. And I love that. I love taking taking on a journey. I love sipping something and not really knowing, like being able to say like one or two kind of characteristics, but then having to take one or two more sips. Be like, all right, hold on. Let, like, let me, let me gather. Let, all right. I got, I got this. Uh, let me, let me, let me see what else. Is and I think that you guys do a really good job of uh, adding that complexity to it. And I think that that shows to, to where, like, like you said, you, you blend like the, the older and the younger ones together and it, it brings that, that, that marriage together. It makes for a good pour. Thank you. I mean, I, I think the word he said complexity is perfect because like with the 15 year, you know, I'm not too big on heavy age stuff, but the combining of the young and the old together, just, I mean, it, it, it works, man. It's perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, we do that with a lot of batches, but I think 27 is a really good example of being really dedicated to that. Yeah. 
Yeah, this Armida, though, I think that might be my favorite of the night. Though. This delicious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for Virginia, where can we get Armida? Where, what's the closest? <laughs> yeah, so Armida will – we have a, a, a reasonably large hit of it that is being released next week pretty much. Um, we are applying to – the Virginia ABC to get a, a listing for Armida the way that we have dovetail. And so our hope is in four months or so, it'll be on a lot of shelves there, but we have no real control. Um, if you go to our website, barrelbourbon.com, there's a buy now button and uh, there's a retail network that is associated with that buy now button. And I believe there's at least one of the people that is tuned into that retail network that is able to get bottles to Virginia. Okay. Um, I don't like the availability of, of Armida kind of goes in and out. Yeah. Um, but the hope is it'll be there in the next four or five months. Uh, in Atlanta, it's a little tightly allocated, but it's, it's available there. And there's, I think, 80 cases that will be on their way there next week. So it'll be, uh, the hope is in March or April, anywhere that you can find anything from us, you can also find Armida. Well, a I might be uh, I might be DM you uh, shortly about some barrel. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, if if any of you or anyone that's listening or watching this is ever trying to find anything from us, if you email contact at barrelbourbon.com, uh, we will always try to help you find something. Uh, and we do have, if you look at our website, we have a lot of very very small releases. We have things that are 150 or 180 bottles. Uh, and we do our best to list where to get them, but uh, we sometimes know a little bit more than we're allowed to publish. And so anyone who is interested in it is, is we would love if you would get in touch with us and we'll do our best to connect you with someone that can sell to you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So what's everyone's favorite whiskey? I like to know. Rank them. Armido. Uh, <laughs> I'd say for me personally, I'll start first. I like the Armida first, uh, and I'd say the Batch 27, the Dovetail third, and then the 15 year last. That's Just for mine's minor, mine's exactly the same. D, we have the same palette. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I, I, good for you that you don't like the expensive one as much, right? <laughs> I don't spend enough money on this shit anyway. <laughs> what, Jonathan, what, what, what's yours? For me, it, it's probably the the Armedia, Armedia, then the Dovetail, because I, I loved that the first time I had it. Um, just because, like as D said before, there's just complexity in, in some of these that just kind of hit you the right way. Um, and then I don't, I don't know if I can give a, a last place. I'd say that it's 3A and 3B on, on the, the other two because they're just so different. All four are so different. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how many places you can go get four different kind of thing or, you know, like try four samples and it'd be vastly different. And that's yeah. what you guys do. Yeah. I think also that uh, bourbon is a really tight canon mm -hmm. in terms of, what you're allowed to do and things that don't fall into that flavor profile are kind of violating the spirit of bourbon, even if they're not violating the laws of bourbon. And our bourbons are, we hope, like thought of as 
extremely polished and having a lot of attention to detail, but they're still bourbon. And so when you put them in a lineup with things like Armida and Dovetail that stand by themselves as like no other whiskey is like this whiskey, it's, I agree. Like I, my favorite in this lineup by far is Dovetail and my second favorite is Armida. And it's not because I like one or the other more flavor wise. It's because I've been around for like the journey of Dovetail for two years. And so it's, it's like my baby. Uh, yeah. And they're really loud to me because there's, I've, like Ariel, I have, I have a lot of whiskeys and there's nothing I have that is anything like either one of them. Um, but if I was bringing a bottle to someone who has never tried anything with barrel craft spirits, I would probably bring like batch 27. It's like, we started yeah. as a bourbon company. Yeah. Like this is the yeah. roots of what our company yeah. is. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And if you want, if you want to get weird, I've got stuff for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, what's yours? Um, I would definitely say Dovetail was my favorite of the night, um, just because I usually don't like port finish bourbon, and this is probably my favorite. And there is another one that I'm thinking, it's a rye finish in French oak port. I think this is for me. Um, the barrel Dovetail is a lot more. And then I really like the standard barrel um, batch 27 it is a solid honey barrel like a honey like if you love sweet bourbon like profile barrel bourbon 20 batch 27 is where it's at um and an armida armida is i have not had any like whiskey that tasted like armida and it's like a palate like it, my mind is just like blown because i've never had like anything like that um, so it's, it's something I need to get on my shelves. Um, and the 15, the 15 is really good. It's like, it has a really good texture, um, on my palate, but that dovetail, that pork cast, like that combined, like blend is really good. I'm, I'm very impressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with D two earlier where you kind of said there immediately, like, certain people come over and, and you're like okay I, this is the one i need to show you because yeah. you, know, you you will appreciate yeah. it and and you will you you will get to experience something that few not a few others but i mean like you've not probably ever had before yeah yep yep well well, well I, I really appreciate you you sharing all these and, and before i let you go i have to ask this what in the world does your job detail? Because you're just national director for Barrel Craft Spirits. So what do you do? I mean, besides just hop on here and drink bourbon. I mean, yeah, what do you so do? It's funny because it's job. changed so much. I was the first, uh, Joe Beatrice, the founder. I was the first non-Beatrice that worked for the company. Uh, Joe's wife, Janet, Joe's daughter, Katie, are both like full-time employees dedicated to the company. So did you beat Trip in? Uh, so Trip beat me in terms of consulting, but I beat okay. Trip in terms of W two. Gotcha. gotcha. So uh, <laughs> it depends. On, Joe paid Trip before he paid me, but Joe locked me up before he locked Trip up. Gotcha. Kinda, gotcha. Uh, and when I started, we were in six states, and my job really was take this brand national. Uh, what has happened in the past year and a half or so is my job has become, I've been there for all of the 
complicated moments. And so there's the sales team and there's the people who deal with compliance and there is production. And I'm not able to totally do any of them, but I've kind of been there for all three. And so I'm like, I'd say I'm like Joe's chief of staff. It's kind of my job now. <laughs> um, and what's been really amazing in the past six months or so is there's so many people, there are companies like 21 people now, I think, employees. Mm -hmm. um, and that's bottling, HR, production, sales, everything. Uh, there's so many people that are so good at their job that now I get to kind of be a little bit of an ambassador, which I didn't have time to do for the past five years that uh, we've never done interviews like this to the extent that we're doing them now. Uh, and I, I never had people working with me that were calling on distributors or living in other markets that were calling. And so it used to be like no one, no liquor store owner or buyer ever saw anyone from Barrel unless I flew there. And now they have a rep even if they only see them once a year, they have a person. And so I get to like show up with curly hair and like drop a card <laughs> and get drunk. Um, and yeah, it's like every month's a little different. Uh, there's certain, there's certain months that a lot of it is product development. And there's mm -hmm. right before I got on this call, I was proofreading back labels for products that we're going to release this year. Right. Um, That's fun. But then there's a lot of like, okay, we have to submit to the San Francisco spirits competition. Like, what are we going to send and what are we going to say about it? Or uh, a distributor in a state isn't performing well. Do we need to find a new distributor and vet them? Or who's going to send the passive aggressive email saying like, you haven't paid your bills yet. Like that type of thing. Uh, so you're so the jack of all trades. I, that's a nice way of putting it. But I think it's more that like my job is like, if there isn't someone whose job it is, it's, it's yours. I got I need to figure it out. Um, but I love that. Like I'm a person that's like easily distracted and bored. And, uh, I really have like the dream job in the whiskey world in my, because every, every month is a new product for us. And so, uh, awesome. it's like a new weird, fun challenge. And we've got no dogs. Like every, every whiskey is cool. Um, and then and my, my last question for you, cause you kind of touched this cause you, you know, you, you just gave us the, kind of the scoop what's next that you're allowed to tell us and we're allowed to put on air that you can tell us and put uh, on air. Anything. <laughs> uh, so dovetail and armida are getting a sibling and it will be the third and we believe Ooh. final release in that family the like always available three finishes blended together uh, and it's called seagrass okay uh and the base if the base of dovetail is whiskey and the base of armida is bourbon so neither one of them is a whiskey or a bourbon specifically but those are like the how they started the base of seagrass is a rye hmm. uh and it is a rum agricole which is our martiniquez rum yep uh and a cercial madeira which is a fortified wine from an island off the coast of western africa uh and a What's the third finish? When I call Cersei Almadira. Oh, an apricot brandy finish. Those three together. Ooh, um, apricot brandy. Uh, and so it's it's a third in that series. And uh, we're only just now sort of taking the lid off of that. So you guys are, are one of the, you're, this is one of the first times that I'm allowed to say it out loud, but that is the next big release from us. Okay. We uh, want wow. it to be out in the middle of March, but I suspect it'll probably be middle of April or so. 
Okay. Um, we also have a series of single barrels that uh, all of our single barrels have a four digit code. And there's a series coming out that starts with Z1. And then the, the next two digits depend on a lot of different things. Uh, so we call it the Z1 series. And those are barrels from batches 25, 26, and 27 that Joe, Nick, and Trip earmarked as being in balance and exciting to the point where they didn't want to blend them with other barrels. Ah. So everything from five-year-old to 11-year-old, and they are Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana. Uh, and we are, in most situations, asking stores and groups to taste them blind so that instead of being like to spec what do we think we want we'll send you more samples than any other whiskeys company will send you but you're not allowed to know the age or the the state of origin when you're tasting them uh so the z1 series is like close your eyes what's your favorite this is kind of the the theme behind it oh, that's fun um, that's fun and then finally we have a series that we call the private release bourbon series uh we had the first set come out in November and the second set is coming out at the end of February. And they are uh, a set of four different ages, but there's six different ingredients. So there's two in two different states for two of the four ages. Uh, and we blend them into the first one was 49 and the second one was 62 different ratios. Mm. And so when people are tasting single barrel picks or private picks or exclusive picks, we also give them the opportunity to taste these like micro variation batches where there's only about 180 bottles of each. Uh, wow. So it's on the label, it'll tell you what percentage per age breakdown it'll be. That's uh, crazy. Oh, that's so awesome. Those are three very different projects that are coming available in the next couple months. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I like that you're able to, you know, let us, let us look behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's uh, I love coming on these, talks because uh we could do this every week and we'd have four new whiskeys for you every week so uh, <laughs> sounds good to me yeah you, i mean you guys know aaron like anytime you want to have someone from barrel on you just let him know and we'll send you samples absolutely absolutely well before i let you go d chris a anyone got any final questions here uh no i don't i think that uh, all the questions that i had you answered and uh, honestly this is my my the first tape like i said i only had the dovetail and maybe one other batch so i did not know what to expect and so it's i mean these four have been phenomenal i like i love what you guys are doing and you guys are, have bumped up to, and a, as a priority on my list so now thank I got you so much <laughs> well you let us know if you want to try anything I definitely have to echo that. I've never had any barrel stuff before, but I will be adding some bottles to the to the shelves behind me. Thank you so much. Like, likewise, um, this is my first barrel tasting ever. Um, and once again, this is another like fine examples of what a really tasty blend could do for, for a whiskey. So thank you very much for having thank me. You. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys yeah. so much. Yeah, thanks, Will. Yep. That was an absolute blast to do our very first flight night with Barrel Bourbon. They uh, are just an amazing company. I was fortunate enough to talk to Trip um, earlier, you know, kind of some of our earlier podcasts. And for them to hop on and be the first flight night, I really appreciate them doing that and, and sharing some, some cool pours with us and some cool news for things coming uh, here, here down the road. 
Uh, I, just, I just love what they're doing there, and you guys definitely need to check them out. Barrel Bourbon, Barrel Craft Spirits. Uh, they're doing some amazing things, blending whiskeys and, and just finding unique flavors that you won't get anywhere else. And before we let you go, don't forget to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Hop Spirits, all one word. And while you're there, click on our link so you can join our Drinking Buddies Monthly Club. we got a cool giveaway Five different beers, including some 450 North beer for January. And who knows what will happen in February. Maybe we'll get some of those whiskey samples for you. Uh, you'll just have to find out. Join the club. It's very simple. Just go to any of our social media sites, click, click on the link, and it's a pretty quick process, and it's free. It's hard to beat that. And then next week we debut another new series. It's called our Under the Influence Roundtable. And we'll be joined by a very awesome group of beer lovers uh, to talk some some interesting things happening in the beer world. And don't worry, we'll be alternating between beer and bourbon. The same thing that we'll be doing on our flight nights, alternating between beer and bourbon. Talking to some cool folks and also having some very tasty drinks as well. And don't forget to check out our friends at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. They do near daily beer reviews, giveaways pretty much weekly nowadays. Check them out at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. And don't forget to check out one of our friends of the podcast, Dads on the Deck Podcast. You can find them on social media and where podcasts are available. Until next time, cheers, everyone. <laughs>